you guys. I Sometimes I like to say the whole sermon up front, and then we'll go through it. And I, I feel like doing that today. So here we go. If you're taking notes and you want to work ahead, here's your three big takeaways. Death is only physical. The real you continues. Death is just a doorway, not meant to be feared. And death itself was defeated by Jesus. Can I get a witness? Man, I just preached myself. I'm like, I'm done. Let's go. I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Or, I'm sorry, Romans 6. Romans 6, verse 5. Romans 6, verse 5. And once you got it, say, got it. Awesome. Some of you guys got that Bible app, man. You just search, boom, fast. Here we go. If we have been united with him in a death like his, I love this, we shall be certainly, everybody say certainly, certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When I was praying about, okay, what really is our hope when we die, the Holy Spirit like right away was taking me to that passage in Hebrews 5, 6, 7. In fact, Hebrews 4 and 5, he's wrestling with Jewish and, and Gentile and, and then the security of our salvation. But I love where he lands the plane that in our, our, our really our hope, Paul says, is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because there, ha there have been religions where someone died on behalf of the people. But where there's only one person who rose from the dead. And where we ended the sermon last week, it's not just faith and just like, oh, I just, I just hope so. No, there's actually logical reasons for believing that because hundreds of people testified to seeing that. Hundreds of people experienced Jesus appearing to them first person. And then they told, how think about it, then they told their family, they told their friends. That's right there in the Gospels that he appeared to hundreds of people. And uh, it's just unbelievable. It's beautiful. All right, so questions for God. Man, um, have you ever thought about this one? I've wrestled with this one with people before. Why is there a hell? You ever thought about that? Ha has anybody ever gone through a faith crisis where you got to the point where you were like, why is there even a hell? Anybody? Just, just two of you? Great. Anybody else? At least give me like, just, just, just be like, yeah, you know, I was thinking about it this week. All right, just help me out. No. Um, yeah, so what the Bible says is that hell was not created for humans. Okay? It literally says right there, hell made for the devil and his angels. So the third, we talked about this about October. We talked about the fall. We talked about Lucifer who wanted to be worshipped. We won't go into all that right now. But he wanted to be worshipped. And when he was cast out of heaven, he took one third of the angels with him. And we talked all about that. Um, if you want to go back to that sermon, you can just go on our YouTube channel and just look at the title, Demons, Hell, Is It Real? Question mark. Okay. So he created heaven for you. And you need to understand this. He created heaven a place in heaven for you. At the Last Supper, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's amazing. That Jesus, the king of the universe, Ephesians says he was right there at the foundation. That means he's the architect. Everybody say architect. He is the architect, the designer. He designed this whole thing, and yet he has a place for you there. So what do I mean in point number one? Let's put this on the screen. Death is only physical. The real you continues. Everybody put your hand on your chest for a minute. Right here is your spirit man. 
I remember explaining this to teenagers and and trying to, you know, it's, it's funny when, you, when you're talking to teenagers and, and then you talk to adults, you want to be just as simple for, on very complicated things, right? But we are three in one. Everybody say this with me, three in one. You are a body, soul, and a spirit. But what I want to say in short summary, you are an eternal being having an earthly experience. When you were born... You were created in the image of God, and when your life ends here on this earth, which can happen at any time, the Bible's clear about that. Our days are numbered, they're the brevity of life. It's just when that ends, you're going to heaven or to hell. And it sounds like so bold, like, Jordan, why would you make it so dogmatic? I'm not making it dogmatic. The Bible says that, that we continue on. And when we continue on, what we have is this option, right? Where has our faith been while we're on earth? Is it in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who came, the one that we preach about right here every single week, the one that you will hear about in a life group, if you were to attend a life group or a Wednesday night, like you're gonna hear about Jesus, the one who made a path for you to go to heaven. That has nothing to do with your race, with your social economic status, with your religious background, Amen? Jesus makes a way. Now, I love this idea that God has set eternity in the heart of everyone. Romans, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has set eternity. Everybody put your hand back on your chest for just a second. Everybody say, right here. You see, I've been with people in, in hospice. As a pastor, I've had a number of times when I'm praying with, with, with someone that's in their last moments. And do you know, I have never met an atheist on their deathbed. Never once. Do you know why? God has set eternity in the heart of every man. And when we are in our final moments, we know we're going somewhere. There's why. We're, there's a knowing why. God put it there. Amen. Matthew 24, if you've got your Bibles, you say, well, how do I know, you know, what, what, if I, what if I don't die a physical death? What if I'm raptured? We gave you that verse last week. We're going to talk about it more on Wednesday nights. But you can turn uh, later, hold your Bible in 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to talk about that more again on Wednesday nights, the rapture. But I just want to give you a little bit of what Jesus talked about at the end times if we are to be raptured, meaning caught up when Jesus returns. Okay? Matthew 24, verse 15. Matthew 24, verse 15. I don't have this on the screen because I'm adding this briefly, uh, but I, I didn't know if I was going to have time or not, but I am going to have time. So, yeah, you guys get the, 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 the bonus section or something. Okay, here we go. It was a terrible ad lib. We'll delete that. All right. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and we're going to talk about that on Wednesday nights, Daniel chapter 6 and 7. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of the house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. 
For then there will be a great tribulation, for such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, there, or, nor shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those uh, days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, there he is, there's the Christ, do not believe it. And let me pause for a second, because every now and then as a pastor, I am sent videos. Uh, there are people who will say that they'll claim to be the Messiah. That right there tells you that they are not. Trust me, when he comes, you'll know. Turn to your friend and say, you'll know, man. Well, if it's a woman, don't say man. Just say, just look at him and say, trust me, you'll know. Okay? Therefore, if you say, look, he's in the desert, don't go out, look. He's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Sound, sounds kind of mysterious, right? All right, we'll, we'll talk about some of these things on Wednesday nights and Will will be there and he will have all the answers. Every hard question, you're just going to field to Will. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. He's going to kill me for that. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of glory with, bright, with power and great glory. Come on, somebody say amen. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. All right? Guys, can you imagine that? And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now skip down to verse 36. On that day, no one knows the uh, hour or the day. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father. Okay, so we'll talk about that more on, on uh, Wednesday nights. But as the days of Noah were, so it will be at the Son of Man. All right, let me pause. Uh, I personally believe we're getting really close to Jesus coming back because of what, what happened in the days of Noah. Everybody became incredibly selfish, incredibly self-indulging. Incredibly reckless, right? So there's a myriad of sins, but I'll give you just one that's very apparent right there in the days of Noah is the sin of homosexuality. Now, again, there's a lot of, we all have sinned. Everybody, everybody put your hand up if you have sinned, all right? So you have to understand that. We all have sinned. But it says as in the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, that's what you have was getting prevalent. And you have a very self-indulging uh, culture, who rejects God and says, I'm going to do what I want. And so abortion, just like homosexuality, is the stopping of humans being created. And humans are made in the image of God. Humans reveal the glory of God. So these are the two big things that I think uh, are getting us to what we see. Man, we are in the end times. Are you with me? All right, say I'm with you. All right, so what's it going to be like? People will be marrying, drinking, partying, right? All the way until the day, just like it was when Noah entered the ark. And he did not know the flood came and took them all away. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men are in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore. Everybody say watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. And so, again, when you pass from this life 
into eternity. That can come through a physical death here, right? Or being raptured. So what happens? Well, I don't know exactly what happens because I'm here on earth with you. But from what I know, from what the Bible says, you're going to face Jesus, right? And right there, you can, you're going to have this experience of whether you have lived your life for Jesus. Now, he talks about it's all grace. It's all that his forgiveness. Ephesians 2 says you have nothing to do with it, that you accept Jesus as the one who is good enough because you are not good enough. Trust me. Turn to your neighbor say you're not good enough. But you have to wrestle that verse with another passage where Jesus talks about him coming back. And he says, many will say, we did miracles in your name. And Jesus will say, I did not know you. What does that mean? You can have a picture of religion. You can sit in a pew just like this and miss it. You guys okay with me today? All right. You can sit in a pew just like this and miss it. In other words, there will, there will be people who say, but I knew the songs, but I was there on Sundays. Yet never committed their life to Jesus with the true heart of repentance and then had a desire to love and know him. Right? So after we receive that grace, right? That's why I like to use a, a quippy phrase, probably the songwriter in me, faith works. Faith works. Works. Works follows faith. Works don't get you to seven to, to uh, salvation. But when you receive grace, works, good deeds, is an automatic byproduct because you're so thankful you're saved. But if you try to put the cart before the, her the horse, if you say, no, I'm, I, I am such a good person, I'm making it. Turn to your, your friend, turn to your neighbor and say, faith works. That's good stuff. I'm going to make a sermon called Faith Works. All right, here we go. Number two, death is just a doorway. Don't worry, I won't sing. Any parents of Disney? Anyway, parents of Disney? That didn't make any sense. Parents who have to watch Disney. All right. Death is just a doorway, not meant to be feared, right? When we have repented of our sin, when we have accepted Jesus as the one who died in our place, we realize we have nothing to fear. Can I make this very real for you? When we were uh, in Florida with Nancy just a couple months ago, we were in the ocean, and she just kept going deeper and deeper, and I had literally found a baby shark the day before. Like, I have video of me kicking it onto the, that sounded very violent, um, gathering it gently for all the <laughs> nature people. I literally found a shark the day before. And I'm like, she just kept going out with her paddle. I'm like, Nancy, there's sharks out here. And she's like, I'm going to heaven. I don't care. She just kept paddling. And I'm like, me too, but I prefer both arms and both legs, you know. And she's like, it's okay. I'm not afraid. And I'm like, she was so not afraid. Like she could have been attacked by a shark that day. And I kept saying like, you know, maybe like 200 yards is just a bit too far. She just kept going. Ask Danielle. We were like getting nervous. And she had no fear of it, right? Did you know you can have zero fear of death? Right? It's like what Billy Graham said. He just, he just transitioned into his heavenly home. Right? If you got your Bibles, turn to Romans 8 and just put your Bible marker there, pencil there. And I want you to read that more later. Read the whole chapter, but 38 in particular. Guys, I want to tell you. That love of God that can rid you of fear, 
that no, no depth, no height, death itself, right? Even words like cancer. You can get, I promise you, you can get to the point where you are not afraid, where you embrace eternity, that you're, you know where you're going. Amen? Look at this. What happens when we get there? Okay, so after we meet Jesus and we have this, you know, uh, we'll talk about this more at, on Wednesday nights, but he actually says he will separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares. Okay, and what that means is people who have accepted him and truly in their hearts repented of their sin, right? Accepted Jesus Christ. And so what happens? Well, the Bible actually says in Revelation and in 2 Timothy that there are three crowns given. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday nights, but I want to give you just one of them. Okay? 2 Timothy 4, the Lord will give it to me, this crown, this crown of righteousness. But look at this. But not only me, but he will give it to all who love his appearing. Now, I, I have a personal feeling that we're just going to lay those crowns right back at the feet of Jesus. Right? Because he's so worthy. But there are three crowns given, as I've been preparing for those Wednesday nights, that the crown of righteousness, and we'll, we'll talk about them. But this right here, this is beautiful. It says, all who love his appearing. Everybody say all. What did we read two uh, weeks ago from Acts? We said, God is willing that all would be saved. What did we read in 1 John when we said, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. The thief on the cross, Jesus didn't say, what nationality are you? Right? So be very careful about your doctrine because it is all, all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen? John 9, John 1 verse 9. I know we've got a lot of scripture today, but I just, I just love reading the word to you. This is what it says. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. So Jesus came to his own, the people of Israel, and his own people did not receive them. But to all who did receive him, everybody say all, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right? Turn to Mark 5. I know, a lot of Bible today. Sorry, here we go. Mark 5. I usually have more stories, but the Bible is just so full of good stories. I'm just going to read you. Here we go. Mark 5. This is so interesting how Jesus words this. While he was sleeping, I'm sorry, while he was speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler, do not fear. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not fear. Only believe, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of, of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. We mentioned this last week. Grief is, is, is for us because we're missing the person. But how many know in heaven they're celebrating, they're not grieving? Okay. But when he had entered, entered uh, he said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Okay, now, sometimes you have to read the Bible. I think I said this last week, and you got to read it slower. Because maybe you've read it before. Or you do what I do, is I close my eyes and imagine it. Now, if you close your eyes, Pastor Dave, if you close your eyes and you imagine this, 
doesn't that sound a bit insensitive? She's just taking a nap. You've got to put yourself in the story. How many of you guys think you'd be like, I'm a little offended at this Jesus guy? Right? But he walks into scenarios like this and he is not grieving. He knows something they don't know. Let this settle in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Look at this. They laughed at him. He put them all outside, which is interesting. We'll talk about that more another day. He took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said, I can't pronounce that word, but he says this, which means this, the, the translation, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years old, and they were overwhelmed with amazement. He strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them, hey, give her something to eat. <laughs> Anybody got a granola bar? Like, she's totally awake, no longer dead. Now, to everybody else, she was passed away. To Jesus, she was Sleeping. Oh man, this is so good. Jesse pointed this out to me this week, and I'm like, I think I've noticed that before, but never like to that degree. So I started looking at all these people Jesus raised from the dead. He's always like, they're taking a nap. Okay, so let's try this again. Everybody say, dead? dead. Sleeping. Come on, get in your spirit. Say, dead? dead? Sleeping. All right, now for anybody who comes from certain backgrounds, you say, oh, you believe in purgatory. I do not. Don't believe in purgatory. Right, we just said a minute ago, what happens when you die? I believe when this body uh, is done living, you go right to eternity. In my, in my opinion, is what I see in the Bible. Okay, so when he says sleeping, what he's saying is he knows something that we don't know. That we, the real you, put your hand right here. The real you is going somewhere. Come on. The real you is going somewhere, and Jesus has that power over life and death. He's not afraid and he's making sure you understand and I'm making sure you understand you don't have to fear death. You do not have to fear death. You can be completely ready to go to heaven and have total assurance. That's why it's called blessed assurance. It's, the song doesn't go blessed, I, I hope so maybe. It's, <laughs> that was a good ad lib. Hey, write that one down, Will. It's blessed assurance. Come on, right? All right, number three. Death itself was defeated by Jesus. Death itself. I've known Craig long enough to know I can ad lib for a moment and just say, Craig just went through double or triple bypass. Was it triple? Four? Four. Quadruple bypass surgery and is rocking. Come on, give God a praise. But, but here's what I want to say, and I know this is going to make him laugh. Craig, even if you went, were you scared? A little bit. Yeah. 
Once you got to the hospital, you're like, wait a minute, I'm saved. I know where I'm going. I'm okay. Amen? Because he, he knows where he's going. Come on, right? Death itself was defeated by Jesus. So that got me thinking, well, what's death? So that made my brain go back to Genesis. We did a series in, I think, September, October, where we looked closely at Genesis. In fact, if you're in the Bible reading plan with us, you would have read this, this uh, just a week ago. Where when Adam and Eve eat from the tree of good and evil, they were in this place of perfect paradise. And because now they knew about good and evil, the Lord God didn't want them to live forever in a broken state. And I had read the Bible uh, so many times. I remember reading it through as a teenager, even before I got to Bible college, and I had never noticed this until just a few months back. Where, look what he says, verse 22 in Genesis, the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing, and he says us, it doesn't mean three gods, it means the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, knowing good and evil, now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. You see that? He didn't want him now to take from the tree of life because then he's going to live forever in this fallen state. So verse 23, therefore the Lord God sent him from the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man the east of the garden of Eden, and he placed the cherubim, which is angels. He placed angels and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard their way to the tree of life. Wow. So death is separation from a perfect holy God. Right? When you are eternal, that's what hell is. That's what makes hell, hell. You have to understand that that's what makes hell, hell is the separation from the perfection and the holiness and the beauty of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go there. But the Bible says, according to Romans, that my sin, the things I've done wrong, causes me, I've been born into sin. So I have that problem until I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that, that the punishment, the wages of my sin is death, is eternity spent away from the goodness and the perfection of God. It's also described in the Bible as utter darkness, as gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been so mad you were actually grinding your teeth? Right? Yeah. So when you, that, that's, that's what makes hell hell is the separation from the beauty of Jesus. And again, I want you to understand this. Jesus doesn't want you to go there. He made, a, he made a way on the cross so that you could go to heaven, so that you could be adopted into the family of God. Amen? Amen. So Jesus has the power over death. We talked about his empathy, that he started grieving when Lazarus was, was passed away. He started grieving only at the sight of Mary and Martha's grief, that he grieved with them, right? We said that last week, that he grieves when we grieve, that he cries when we cry. Amazing that Jesus has that. But what does he do? He waits till the third day, 
Okay, and he raises Lazarus from the dead in John 11. Are there types of this in the Old Testament? Yeah, Elisha raised a woman's son back from the dead in 2 Kings 4. Okay, so everybody hold two hands up like this. Because some people think, I can't do this with the lapel. Should have worked on that. Anyway, Old Testament, mean God. New Testament, oh, nice God. Like bad cop, good cop. No, it's the same God. It's the same God. Okay? So in the Old Testament, you have Elisha who is a type of Christ. Everybody say type of Christ. And he is illustrating God's power over death. And he raises a woman's son. What about Peter? Now, is Peter the son of God? Is he the Messiah? No. He's a follower of Jesus. Think about this. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's just like you. And Peter raised someone named Dorcas from the dead. Unfortunate name. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But when I was studying, I'm like, you know what? You can't say that without making a joke. I mean, you just can't. Dorcas. So, That's your grandmother's name? Oh, dude. <laughs> I want you to feel that you've offended me. I want to be offended. Okay. That's 2023, actually, right there. All right. Just kidding. So over and over and over, Jesus raises people from the dead. Then he tells his disciples, you can raise people from the dead. Because he says, you're going to do even greater things that I have done. What? Does anybody else, that challenges you? Like, I'm... I'm over two decades in, and that, that still challenges me, that Jesus said, you too have that power over death. You can raise people from the dead. I got to be honest with you. I've never been to a funeral and be like, just get up. <laughs> you know? I haven't. And I know some of you might think I'm making light of it. I'm being serious. I'm being very for real with you. Now, in the hospital, I have had, the, I've had all the faith in the world to believe someone's going to get up. And then I've got to wrestle with the, the disappointment when it doesn't happen, right? We just talked about that at our group last night. We've got to wrestle with that, God's sovereignty, that God still knows. That God is still good. That we live in a fallen world. That the Bible says Satan is the prince of the air. That sin, sin has caused all of these problems. You say, does it really go back all to sin? Yes. Because of sin... You have this death. You have this thing called pain, sorrow, revenge, remorse. Right? All of that is in a broken world caused by sin. Now, what we have to be careful of is to not go their sin. What we have to do, what the Bible says, is to, is to go my sin. Amen? It's my sin that is in this mess. It's my sin that Jesus died for. If you got your Bibles, turn to John 5, 23. Jesus talks about his power over death and his right to execute judgment on that day. John 5, 23. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Eternal life. That's after this life ends Eternal life. He does not come into judgment in the sense of punishment, but is passed from death to life. Everybody say death to life. You pass through, okay? 
Truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Everybody say, what? Two of you, thank you. My girl's got Lucas doing that now. He'll just randomly go, what? It's the cutest thing. Let me say it again. Truly, I say to you, an hour is coming. It is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. He has given him all authority. Ever say all authority. He has given him all authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. I know. Some of you guys be watching zombie apocalypse. I'm just going to let that settle in for a minute. In fact, if you read the New Testament, it says people are going to be coming out of the graves. What? Yeah, thank you. Instead of amen, let's just give a massive, what? Ready? One, two, three. See, some of you guys are like, I didn't know that. Well, you need to read your Bible. Okay? All right? This is good stuff. Look at this. Do not marvel. Now is coming. People are going to come out of the tombs who hear his voice. They will come out. Now, listen to this. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, like, Jordan, didn't you just tell me it's not based on my works, it's only based on the grace of God? Yes, but you cannot buy into the delusion that I, need to, I just need to say Jesus is my Savior, and then I can live like however I want. When we accept Jesus, when we accept his grace, then we let his Holy Spirit transform our lives to becoming somebody who wants to do the right thing just because it's the right thing. Amen? It doesn't mean that, okay, oh man, but I am not perfect, Jordan. I'm so far from perfect. Is that saying I'm not going to make it? No, it is the grace of God that saves you. It's not that you're walking on this, this fine line and you have a bad attitude at work one day and you, so now you miss heaven. No, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying, and then he reiterates it in Matthew 24 and 25, that there are people who, who acclaim to faith, who, who claim to religion, who say, Jesus, Okay, yeah, I love Jesus. I like Jesus. Yeah, Jesus saved me. But they consistently, repeatedly, habitually sin. They habitually gossip and slander and tear people down. Right? Stealing, whatever it is. Homosexuality, whatever it is. Pornography. There's a lot of people who will say, okay, yeah, I accepted Christ when I was 12. I accepted Christ when I was 18, so I'm good. But we have to have a genuine faith Genuine, everybody say genuine. Genuine faith that works. Amen? A faith that says Jesus conquered sin. And so for some of you, you might say, yeah, but Jordan, I have, a, I have a really bad sin habit. Okay? And maybe you say, okay, you know what? I don't want to call it an addiction, but it's an addiction. You might call it a habit. Some might call it an addiction. If it controls you, it's an addiction. I can tell you right now, Jesus can set you free from that. Because Jesus doesn't want you to live like that. That's what Jesus died for, so that you would be free from that. So that only his spirit controls you. Come on. Amen? 
when our life, I'm sorry, when our faith is in Jesus' death and resurrection, this is how we open, I want to say it again. When our faith is in Jesus' death and resurrection, we have no fear of death because our future is secure. Let me say it one more time. When our faith is in Jesus' death and resurrection, we have no fear. We have no fear of death because our future is secure. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to put your faith in him, the one we've been talking about. Guys, this is the only way to an eternity spent in heaven. I can't be any more clear. This is the only way for an eternity spent in heaven. What happens when you die? When you die, when you pass from this life, you will face Jesus, who is the Son of Man, the Son of God. And at that great white throne, it will be judged of you whether you put your faith in Jesus or not. And right now, you can put your faith in Jesus. You say, Isn't it, is, it, is it really that easy? Because my heart's beating and I, I know I'm supposed to do something, but I, I'm not good enough. That's right, sir, ma'am, you're not good enough. This is the repentance part where we say, I need forgiven of my sin. I realize that my sin is why Jesus died. My mistakes, my proclivity to do the wrong thing. My proclivity to be selfish, to be demanding. And some of you say, I'm not like that. Are you demanding of your spouse? Are you selfish at work? Do you slide money under the table at work? Come on, there's all kinds of ways that we find logical excuses and explanations to explain away our sin. But our sin can keep us from an eternity in heaven, can I be any more clear? Our sin, even if you're in church, even if you say, no, I go to Rock of Grace every Sunday. Sir, ma'am, your sin can keep you separated from God for eternity if you don't repent of it. So do you need to repent of your sin? I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm going to have you raise your hand right where you're at. Do you need Jesus to forgive you of your sin? And do you want to rededicate or for the first time dedicate your life? Raise your hand. I'm not going to bring you to the front. This is just between you and God. Saw the hand. Thank you. Two people. Thank you, Lord. And again, if you're, if you're chasing after God, you love Jesus. It's not that you have to get saved over and over. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you recognize, and this is what I really feel in my spirit, whether you're online or in the room, if you recognize that you've been under the delusion that you can live however you want because of what you call grace, yet today the Bible's confronting you with twice Jesus said, those who have done good unto heaven, those who have done evil unto judgment. So if today, sir, ma'am, I want to give you another chance. You want to repent of your sin. Just raise your hand and we're going to all pray this together. Yeah. Let's all pray together. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, 
thank you for your love. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me what keeps me from you. Thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth that my sin is going to keep me from knowing you from eternity with you. Wash me clean today. Thank you for making me your child. Thank you for making me your child and Jesus my brother.